0: beer sound hello and welcome to drink to the past my name is sean michael patrick thompson as always your host and this is the only podcast where i switch to a fun irish accent halfway through the ubiquitous opening monologue and remind you to subscribe and share our content i am joined by my co-host chris
1: Chris.
0: uh
2: did, did the beer sound a little late there
0: the beer sound will be stapled on we didn't actually record the beer sound I mean, we, we, not we, we recorded it, but we recorded it like two weeks ago. Three, three four. I, I, yeah. I'm not keeping track anymore. And we've also got a special guest, Breath of the Lyle.
3: Hello. He's
0: the coolest streamer we've ever had on here. But don't tell Crow I, I said that.
3: Glass. I did a clink with the glass. I figured that's better yeah. than nothing.
0: <laughs> That'll work. All right. <laughs> Today on Sean Drinks Something Stupid, I looked up what this was called and then immediately forgot, but it is uh, pickle juice and tequila. So Oh, God. <laughs> I had some extra uh, pickle juice and I was like, I could make something stupid out of this. Uh, that's
2: just, uh, sounds,
0: sounds excellent. Tastes like pickle juice and tequila. Not as much The tequila is actually very muted by the pickle juice, because pickle juice is quite a strong flavor in general. So, it's not bad. I mean, if you like pickle juice, then you'll probably like this.
3: When you close your eyes and say pickle juice three times, you'll appear in a Tim Burton movie.
0: Pickle juice, pickle juice, pickle juice. Did it work? No, we're still as low-budgeted as ever. You don't want
2: to appear in a Tim Burton movie? Well, it depends on which
0: Tim Burton is it. uh, Is is it like... uh, Like, one of his animated things or some ubiquitous Johnny Depp pseudo-horror thing? Or is it Batman?
3: Oh, I thought every one of his films was Johnny Depp.
0: Most of them, yeah. Fast majority. All right. (laughs) He might be pigeonholed a bit.
1: Right. Uh
0: so, uh, shall we get into our first real segment? Is uh, what you playing? So, uh, what you been playing this week, uh, Chris? Other than obviously, you're playing a little Minecraft here on stream because the yeah. voters chose you get to pick what we're gonna have because apparently they liked that better than my Sonic 06 gameplay from last week.
1: I mean,
2: <laughs> Sonic O six is a travesty.
0: Right. So, what you uh, playing, Chris?
2: Other than Minecraft, I have been playing, I've been replaying Chrono Trigger. Awesome.
0: That's kind of random. Which is
2: still, yeah, oh. it's on, it was on Steam, and I was like, hey, maybe I should replay that. And I did, and Chrono Trigger is great. Cool. And for anybody who hasn't played Chrono Trigger, they should find time to do that at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. I have also been playing a lot of the newest meme game, Among
0: Us. Okay, I keep is... hearing things about that, but not descriptive things.
2: Uh, best description is werewolf, but in space and in real time.
0: Hmm. Okay.
2: Uh, it's a lot of fun.
0: That could be interesting.
2: Uh, and it is, but I also kind of see why it took off on, like, YouTube. It is very much a streamer-can-react kind of game. (laughs) So.
0: Alright. Lyle, what you have been playing this week? Oh, and one more game, sorry.
2: Uh, very very bizarre game, uh, a fan game called uh, the seventh JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. This uh, seventh Stand user.
3: Yes. Hmm. <laughs> I'm you, all about some JoJo.
2: Okay, so you play, and that's, and I just finished watching the third part. But um, it you basically play through Stardust Crusaders, which is the third part of JoJo's. For anybody who hasn't watched that as a character, and it's kind of got a Pokemon mystery dungeon-like questionnaire for the stand you get to use. Hmm. Hmm. So it's it's very ambitious for a fan game. Cool.
0: JoJo is one of those animes that I've always been, like, slightly intimidated by, because the fan base is, like, so... Homestucky? Something like that, yeah. Uh, and... I kind of feel like it's so big of an anime at this point that like, I feel like I should just watch it just to have said I could have watched it as one of those, you know, mainstream things or something, but I've never yeah. got around to it. And I don't think it's on any like streaming services that I pay attention to. It's on Crunchyroll, roll, but that's... yeah.
3: And then the first, the first three parts are on Netflix as well.
0: Okay, so maybe I'll try it on Netflix and see if I get into it. Although yeah. that might be dangerous because then I'll, you know, watch what's on Netflix and then I'll forget where I was and never end up coming back to it, which is what happened with Fairytale. Because I, I started that and I watched all of the two seasons or whatever they had on Netflix and I don't remember exactly where I was. So now I'm like, oh, I could watch it on Funimation app, but I, you know, never get around to it. So, <clears throat> Anyways, uh, Lyle, what have you been playing this week?
3: So, I just started playing Rocket League for the first time. I okay. never tried that. A friend of mine was uh, playing it, and I didn't expect her to play it, so she was like, you should try it. And I was like, okay. So mm-hmm. I did. Um, and then I just finished up Resident Evil 2 Remake again on cool. stream. Uh, that game is a classic, obviously. And... Um, I also just tried a rhythm based first person shooter roguelike dungeon crawler called uh, Bullet. What was it? Bullets per minute? Yeah, and
2: bullets BPM bullets per minute.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I heard that was of that. Fun. It
0: sounded like just trippy enough to be awesome.
3: Um, it's not very substantial, but that, I mean, it's okay. Like, I don't think it's a full price game. I don't remember. It was gifted to me. Okay. But, uh, it has the, like, visual aesthetic of Doom 2016, um, yeah. and it plays, like, Crypt of the Necrodancer. So it's it's fun. Huh. I just... I don't do well with, with roguelikes and having to start over from the beginning with... Right. Yeah.
0: That was a little but, bit of my problem with the original Crypt of the Necrodancer, was just, like, I'd get, you know, to level two or something, or... To, I, I usually... When I stopped playing, I could consistently get to level 2 even if I got, like, crappy weapon drops. But then I pretty much had to get really good weapon drops to get to level 3, and I never got past that at all. And it's, Mm. it's just, like, kind of annoying that you can't you know like save your progress or you know start on floor two if you've beat it or something like that. i'm not or like
3: maintain your upgrades or whatever i'm
0: like not sure if there's a and and you you'd upgrade little by little here and there you know because you get to keep your gems or whatever so it's Mm. it it still had some sense of progression but i'm not sure it felt like enough that it would keep me playing for a long long time but it was I, I did enjoy my time while i had it and it wasn't like a super expensive game either so it's like okay i, s- I got my you know 20 dollar fill or however much i spent on it
3: gotcha um and then i also started genshin impact which is that nice. it's essentially breath of the wild but with anime waifus and it's really good
2: Breath of the wild but with anime waifus i yep. uh, i'm sold
3: yeah it's a it's a free to play it has like a, a gotcha system but oh, it's not but the gotcha system is like, but the gotcha <laughs> system's like not in your face with it um
0: okay because that's so, been a little so, bit of my like hesitant to pick that up ness has been all of the they're like it's breath of the wild but gotcha and i'm just like so off of gotcha games like, so i've so yeah, that's kind of interesting to hear that it's not all up in your face about it. That that would be kind yeah. Of
3: us. Usually, I'm I'm pretty turned turn, like turned off by that kind of stuff too, like hundred mm-hmm. percent. But it's it's very much not in your face. Like it doesn't try to get you to buy shit like mm-hmm. immediately right off the bat. It's it's not like you're gonna be pigeon. It's not like you're gonna be pigeonholed if you don't do X, Y, or Z. Like it's it's very much you just. You choose what you're comfortable with, and you have that option there, similar to how like Overwatch has. Like, oh, you can buy extra skins if you wanted to; you don't have to. Right. Um, it's just there. Okay. But it's also just a super gorgeous game too, like aesthetically.
0: Yeah, all the screenshots and gameplay I've been seeing lately because it came out pretty recently, didn't
3: it? I think it's, it's like, like two days ago, three yeah, days ago. It was-
0: yeah, I was thinking it was within the last week, sometime. It 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 does look pretty cool. I'm like, maybe I'll check that out. So yeah, if the... I mean,
3: I mean, it's free. You got nothing to lose, really.
0: That's true. So yeah, maybe I'll give that. Gotcha game with
2: anime wife who's is never
0: free. When will you learn?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So for myself, I've played a little bit more of the Touring Test on Xbox. Uh, Game Pass streaming to my phone which has been really cool uh, cause like I said earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast when I started this it just the streaming quality actually runs pretty well uh, and now I feel like it runs even better now that we're a couple of weeks in so I think maybe like a bunch of people were doing it right at the start or something uh, so now it feels even better um, but yeah uh, I think it's actually kind of cool that stuff like this is on Xbox Game Pass now, because I'm playing games that I would have had interest in before, but I probably wouldn't have, like, paid full price for the touring test. I probably would have, like, seen it and been like, that sounds kind of neat, but I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I'll fork over for it, so... And other times, I've seen games that I'd literally, like, considered buying several times, and I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. So, it's... I'm really just digging the whole Xbox subscription model lately, and, you know, I don't even have an Xbox, which is kind of hilarious to me. Um, and a little bit of Halo ODST, which released on PC this week. Um, so, that's been kind of fun. Uh, I haven't played a ton of it, but it's... Uh, It's really kind of cool coming again off of, I've been playing through all the Halos since I bought Master Chief Collection a few months ago on PC, and uh, it's still just one of the more unique Halos is ODST because it's like you're not, I feel like you don't feel quite as super badass as Master Chief but you're still, like, balanced enough in the gameplay to where it's still pretty fun. And you still feel like a badass, even sometimes more like a badass, because you're like, oh, I'm doing the shit that Chief does, except I don't have, you know, overshields and, you know, cybernetic enhancements and shit. I'm just a guy. So that's pretty cool. All right. Is that all uh, we've been playing this week for the most part? We can move on to news and booze. So I'm going to give this Pickle Juice Cocktail, which I forgot the name of. I guess since I forgot the name of it, we have to we have to drink. So for you viewers at home on YouTube, I'll hold up my drink sign for you. For you viewers on Podbean, you'll have to just take our audio cues and drink along at home. Um, yeah, so I'm going to give this a 10. Right in the middle. I mean it tastes like pickle juice. That's it. It's not <laughs> like awful, but it just it's just pickle juice. Um
3: That in and of itself is disgusting.
0: <laughs> nice. I always
2: like the saltiness of pickle juice.
3: I'm I just mean, not I... a pickle guy, so like I'm really mm-hmm. super stingy when I go to Chick fil A and I if I even like get a hint that there was a pickle on my sandwich and, and there like I will I will be like, No, <laughs> you, you're replacing this.
0: <laughs> nice Pickled yeah. uh, What you drinking this week uh, Let's see Lyle why don't you go first What are you drinking
3: I'm keeping it simple with just some Angry Orchard
0: There you go nothing wrong with that What do you rate that on a scale of 3 to 17
3: uh, I'd give it probably about a 15 and 6 sevenths.
0: Alright That's pretty good uh I do like Angry Orchard. Uh is it just the regular old Angry Orchard cuz they make a few different kinds?
3: Yeah, they do. Um I ventured out and tried the Rosé a little while back. Okay. Uh, which had that which wasn't bad, but yeah, you're right. This is I'm just doing the the regular in a glass this time cuz for me it's it's pretty it's pretty like black and white that there's a big difference when you pour an Angry Orchard into a cold glass versus mm-hmm. just drinking it out of the bottle. Right. And it's just so much better in a glass.
0: There's a lot of things that I've noticed are like that. Like uh, I've actually – I got a six-pack last week of uh, the stout that Chris drinks on the podcast a lot is Left Hand Brewery's uh, Milk Stout. And I just had a few right out of the bottle, and they were like fine. But I poured a couple into a glass, and just uh, the way that it – because it's a nitro beer, it it sort of – Re-nitrogenates itself or something. I'm not exactly sure, but it mixing it up uh, and letting it resettle in a glass actually really opens it up and and just makes the flavors, uh, just probably ten times more intense. There, it's it's significantly better out of a glass. Hmm. Uh, Chris. Speaking of you, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, I am drinking a Santa Fe Brewing Co. Java uh, Imperial Java Stout. Neat. Which is, I was drinking it, and I was like, hmm,
1: this
2: tastes really familiar. And then it hit me that it's basically like drinking a combination of a lot of other stouts I've had, plus my morning coffee, which I have had probably since like age 18. So, yeah, I like it. It's very, It's very familiar. That's about the worst thing I could say about it.
0: Yeah. Well, what do you rate it? uh 14 for now all right went all the way to new mexico just for a beer i'm sure you oh, road tripped out there right
2: yeah all the way out there <laughs> to see my uncle and then i was like shit my uncle doesn't live here
0: anymore huh <laughs> that's silly guy Alright, uh, so well, let's get into the news part of news and booze. Uh, our first piece of news is uh, Peggy, which is uh, basically, for people who are unaware, the rating board in uh, Europe, which does the same thing as the ESRB, where they rate all the video games and tell you, like, hey, don't give this to your kids. It's There's blood and guts. Uh, anyways, they gave a provisional rating for Final Fantasy sixteen of 18 plus which is essentially their m for mature what they
2: don't like genocide
0: i guess (laughs) so this is this is just kind of interesting that um you know it's it's not a final rating it's a provisional rating i'm not sure exactly why they would give a provisional rating like a year or so before the game actually releases but, you know, I don't know much about Peggy not being a, you know, UK citizen or whatever. Uh, but it's it's still kind of interesting that, like, this might be the first Final Fantasy game to push the M rating envelope uh, in the uh, main series of games, at least. I, I was reading there was, like, one spin-off once that was M rated or something. But uh, most of them, obviously, have kind of stuck to the teen kind of rating. So what do you guys think about that? You think... Uh, Final Fantasy would do well with an M rating or do they n- need it would it would it really matter that much
2: uh, well first I think uh, they might be getting an M rating just due to subject matter alone uh, be- because what I said as a joke kind of is right. probably it the game does deal with uh, things like genocide
0: yeah uh, that's kind of true. Yeah. It, it is hard to really gauge how newsworthy this is without knowing why they were giving it an M rating. You know, is it like, yeah. is it the blood and guts? Is it the subject matter? Is it, you know, is is there a whole bunch of boobs in it for some reason? What well, you we don't know. Can you c- customize your genitalia like cyberpunk?
2: I mean, that's I'm I, I'm pretty sure that would only get like a teen rating in Europe. No, <laughs> what do I know? I don't live there.
0: I don't know. Hmm. Do they have genitalia in Europe? I'm pretty... Uh, I think so. Okay.
2: Do you know any best European
0: people? What, what do they call uh, European no. people? Europias? Europeans. Europioids? Opioids. Europe-oids. I apologize
2: <laughs> to the zero Europeans listening to this podcast.
0: <laughs> there, there's, yeah, a, there's one guy in the UK on the... Uh, two guys playing Zelda Discord who occasionally listens, so... If, if he's listening then uh oh, you know, it, it then, it then and we have count. to drink. <laughs> okay.
3: I, I think for Final Fantasy it's it's about time that they put an M rating on something, um regardless of the subject matter, because with with the direction that they're taking the franchise, it's it's harder to convey that something is like as destructive in terms of themes and motif when the games are, you know, when they when they look like Final Fantasy VI or as as cutesy as the the character models were in Final Fantasy VII, like you can have all the text all you want, but when you have a game that's able to show the type of realism, I think I think the rating increase is an inevitability.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, because they've always dealt with subject matter that's not. Like, like it's it's generally on the darker side of subject matter, and uh, like in some cases, it almost surprised me. Like, uh, uh, you know that this was able to get away in a E rated game or whatever, and I I wondered how much of that was just like, oh, it's on Super Nintendo, you know, it's it can't be that bad, right?
3: <laughs> and I think part of that is attested to the fact that you know, with with Octopath Traveler, if you're familiar with that at all, like, it dealt with themes of, you know, rape and prostitution with Primrose's. Yeah, there uh, was
0: a few times in there where I was like, wow, this is a lot darker than I really expected this game to go, especially because of the teen rating. Not that it's necessarily, like, overly M-rated, but it's, like, something that you very rarely see in a in a game that's not M-rated, you know? So yeah.
2: they're cool with it if it's, like, dark subject matter, but if you actually go the full mile and de- depict it in a gritty fashion, suddenly that's
0: too far? I guess, that's, yeah. If it's I pixel you, art, that. it's fine. The pixel art can sleep with the other pixel art.
3: Because <laughs> it's, it's not the pixel art that that children are learning from. It's They're not...
0: It's kind of it, like how, like, you know, you, you show... It,
3: it, that's what they're taking from it.
0: Yeah. It's kinda like That's... how you can show Bart Simpson's penis in a PG thirteen rated movie, but any other penis and it would it, it goes to the R, right yeah. automatically. Uh... Spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched the Simpsons movie since it came out fifteen years ago. Oh
3: man, I was holding out for that. Damn it.
2: <laughs> Spoiling the one gag from that movie. Yeah, I'm sorry, there were more than <laughs> there was more than one gag in that
3: movie. Yeah. Aside from the movie itself.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyways, next piece of news, EA Play, as we know, will be added to Xbox Game Pass, and they have announced the release date for that will be November 10th, which is the same day Xbox Series X and uh, Series S release, or as Lyle likes to call them, the X-Sex.
3: <laughs> the Xbox X, yes. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I think that's kind of cool that, like, right instantly when you get your new console, or when I get my new console, because I got mine pre ordered, um, it'll I come managed with all take a pre order. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, for Series S or X? Yeah.
3: Uh, for the X. My, one of my friends in California was, uh, he, he changed his mind and he was like, if you want my pre order, you can have it. And I was like, okay. sure.
0: There you go. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, I had an interesting time with that because I, uh, went on to GameStop's online website because I didn't think I'd make it into the store on time because I had to work but I got off of work in time to where I could like watch my phone at nine o'clock uh or or whenever it was supposed to go live eight o'clock I think it was nine o'clock so I'm like watching it and uh it uh, GameStop's website like uh crashed for a second because too many people were trying to get in and then they actually had an interesting way of handling it online was that uh they like put everybody in a queue to access the gamestop website at all so uh i was just put in a queue and i waited for almost an hour and then it let me in and i was like looking around the site and most of the stuff at that point was sold out but i found i could get the xbox series s which is the one I wanted anyway, but I could only get it in a bundle that came with like a two-year subscription of Game Pass and a headset or something. And I was like, okay, whatever, that that might work. I could use a new headset, I wouldn't be and, – and I was going to pay for the Game Pass anyways, so why not? I was like – and so uh, I went in to pay and there was some sort of issue with the payment and they put a hold on my money for a week Even though the order didn't go through, and I was like, oh, this is, like, crap, but I, uh, drove over to GameStop because I was like, I can get there by the time they open, uh, and... I went to a different GameStop than I normally do, and they open at a different time. So they were already open, and I was like, oh, they're going to have no pre-orders on this. I'm already too late. Whatever. I'll go in just to see. And I was like, you got any Xbox pre-orders? They're like, yeah, but only for Series S. I'm like, sweet. So I just walked in the store and got one. I was like, oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Lucky as shit right there.
1: I
2: do feel like I've kind of lost the thread on uh, the various kinds of Xbox at some point
3: if it if the title ends in an s it's a digital only console so like you have the xbox one you have the xbox one x and then you have the xbox one s and the x has a disk drive the s does not so the xbox series x has a disk drive the xbox series s it does not so it'll be strictly digital
2: whoa there is an actual order to it you just kind of blew my mind
3: (laughs) there you go
0: yeah you have to kind of pay attention real closely to understand the order, but it is, in I, fact, there.
3: <laughs> I, I like to think of it like the meme that I saw on the internet. It's like, uh, what's his face? The Count from Sesame Street is the head of the naming like marketing for the PlayStation, and then the Jim Carrey Riddler is the naming uh, planner for the Xbox.
0: Nice. <laughs> and
3: it's like, there's reason for what Jim Carrey does. It's just... Yeah, ups and downs.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, what do you guys think about EA Play being added to Game Pass uh, and coming out day one when the when the new console launches? Do you think that's a good strategy? You think that's going to do real well and maybe push Xbox a little bit?
3: So maybe I don't fully understand that because, like, I, I get it. That is it just that all the EA games are going to be on available on Xbox Game Pass.
0: All the ones that are on the EA Play subscription service. Uh, So right now you can already get uh, EA Play as a subscription service, I think, and download and play some of their games. So it's not every EA game, like, ever, but it sounds like it's, like, a good chunk of the, you know, sports games and uh, some of the Star Wars and stuff like that. So I'm, like, I'm just excited that I'll be able to play Star Wars games again because I haven't, like hardly kept up with them since they haven't been putting any star wars games on nintendo consoles for like a decade
3: could that lead to future hikes in pricing for the game for the games pass just like adding additional streaming services to
0: potentially down the line i guess it's possible i i imagine that you know this will not always be feasible at uh you know, the $15 a month price point it is right now, I don't know how long that will be feasible because, like, that's... I feel like that's less per game per gamer than selling them at, you know, a full $60. But right. I guess, theoretically, you know, that depends on, you know, how long they're subscribed and, and all this and that. So it's it's a really the all the numbers are a little bit over my head uh it's just i'm just kind of taking it as it comes to me and being like okay they're adding more and more value to this and so far the val the uh uh price hasn't gone up that much right uh because obviously they i got in in the introductory month for pc game pass uh and it was like a dollar for the first month and then five bucks a month after that and so obviously they couldn't keep that up forever but now it's just like okay 15 bucks for streaming on your phone playing games on your xbox or pc at any time i'm just like okay (laughs) shut up and take my money you know i don't think that's too bad um little piece of tabletop news and booze, Uh, Curse of Strahd Revamped was announced a couple of months ago. It's got a release date, which will be October 20th, just in time for Halloween. So if you're not familiar, Curse of Strahd is a uh, pre-made RPG setting, which is a little bit of a sandbox in the Ravenloft world, so kind of a gothic horror setting. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Chris, you ever play the original Curse of Strahd?
2: I have never played the original Curse of Strahd. That's a game that was very uh, campaign, that was very popular, um, but was always kind of on my periphery.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: I, I had always heard like stories about it, right? Uh, but I never got the chance to play it myself. And uh, Ravenloft's kind of Ravenloft has always been kind of an interesting area in D anD. d Yeah, uh, kind. Kind of the modules that came out of that, and the setting that followed. So, mm. uh, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what they're revamping. I guess uh, I don't have anything to compare it to.
0: To me, it sounds like it's more or less the same campaign, but they're kind of translating everything into fifth edition from the original, because that was originally uh, what was it AD and D or something? I don't remember. That was that was that's a pretty old one i don't remember how old though uh so it sounds like they're just kind of you know upgrading all the enemies to make sense with the addition of D &D that people play now that it's popular um so sounds kind of interesting to me uh but i do too much homebrew stuff (laughs) myself to ever like run it but i would be excited to play this as just kind of a classic uh you know, thing to experience. If you know somebody in our play group picked it up and was like, "Hey, I want to play this." Um, uh, yeah, Lyle, have you played any Ravenloft, or you have any idea what we're talking about?
3: Uh, I heard D and D, and I was like, "Okay, uh, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm all right."
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: No, I don't. I have nothing against it. I just don't play it.
0: Right. All right. Um, so next piece: High uh, Roll Warrior's Age of Calamity trailer shows. Uh, playable Impa, which is kind of cool. So she looks a lot like Paya from the original Breath of the Wild, because obviously they're, you know, related. Grandmother and granddaughter. But it's kind of cool to see Impa, you know, a hundred years before the original or before Breath of the Wild, obviously. So, that's kind of cool. Um, What do you guys make of this?
2: Uh, The Impa reveal?
0: Yeah.
2: Uh she looks ident. It the I, I I know you've posted stuff on like Twitter about this before or someone follow has, mm-hmm. but the the what Impa goes to looking like uh based off of that to what Impa looks like at the time of Breath of the Wild is a uh, pretty dramatic. It's a pretty dramatic difference.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like I I'm seeing everybody post all the cute waifu art and then other people are like, you know she turns into this <laughs> So
2: Really puts life in perspective.
0: Yeah. It's well like, hype for Impa.
3: It's kinda like when people are like, uh they they you see Impa from Skyward Sword when, when she's younger and then when she becomes it's not as drastic a change, but it's still like you know, you can you can see the age. You can see what time has done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I I like I like the Impa redesign, for lack of a better way to put it, because it's right. it's not really a redesign. It's just I would say it's more just arrow based
1: mm-hmm.
3: for her design. I, I do like that she resembles what was it, Pura? or I forgot that uh, Pia Pia, because I I ship Link and Pia hardcore um but i i like her i like the whole ninja aspect of it um mm. I've, I've always been more fascinated with knowing more about the the sheikah tribe and i think it hopefully uh it'll give us some more insight in, into just how how it functions as a whole
0: mm. yeah all right um Pokemon Crown Tundra DLC will drop October twenty second, and a new version of Sword and Shield is coming bundled with the all of the DLC November sixth. So uh, uh go ahead, Lyle.
3: I was just saying, of course it is. Nintendo. Yep. Oh boy. So Sword and Shield was a it's a touch subject for me because I was I wasn't necessarily hyped for Sword and Shield. I mm-hmm. but I, I gave it a shot, I played through it and uh, they changed a key feature that really turned me off of it so oh, yeah the dlc when i heard there was dlc coming i was like oh, all right uh, do i do i play it or do i don't and i ended up not playing it but uh-huh. apparently apparently people are getting really hyped for this new dlc cuz they're they're bringing back every le- every legendary that's ever uh, yeah
0: legendaried. i'm kind of like a- that seems cool but they also did that in gen six and seven so i'm like not sure how much i want to revisit every legendary and grind them all again again again
3: (laughs) well the thing with that is like when you have too many legendary pokemon it depreciates the term legendary right so like i don't really feel like i have legendary pokemon if i have a billion of them yeah but like it doesn't matter then
0: you can like you know I'm sure you're going to see people online who are like, oh, I paid for the DLC and grinded all the legendary Pokemon, and now I don't have to put nearly as much thought into my online battle team, because I just throw a bunch of legendaries at you, and they have big giant attacks, and they're all pretty good. And I, you know, it's like, kind of breaks the meta a little bit you know not that legendary pokemon are like the end all be all and with good strategy and other good pokemon you can certainly beat them but it it does kind of like take the wind out of you when you're like you know, go a couple of battles with really cool people with awesome strategies on their teams and you're, you know, going neck and neck and then you find somebody that's just got, like, six dark Rise, and he kicks your ass and you're like, fuck you, man.
3: <laughs> so, like, not even in the competitive scene, though, It, it to me, it, it takes the magic away because, you know, playing... Gen 1 is not my favorite generation by, by a long shot, but when you're <laughs> playing like, Gen 1 and stuff and you... You know, you discover Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno, and and Mewtwo. It it it's a sense of wonder. Like you, also, you also feel like you accomplished something because yeah, it was it was a trek to get to those, mm-hmm. and and that continued well into like Gen three when you get like the Regis. Yeah, um,
0: that was something because... I thought was really awesome in Gen one. Is like one of them was in a dungeon that you had to go through to complete the game, and the other three of the legendaries in that game were just in like crazy hard, like bonus dungeons along the way somewhere. So it's like, uh, it, it really did feel, you know, like you were accomplishing something, like you said, and in more modern game, like I I remember in gen five, uh, in black two and white two, literally all of the legendaries are just in your path in the main storyline. And you cannot progress without catching them. It's like, oh, it's dumb. why do I even care about these anymore?
3: <laughs> like, they become the poster child for that generation of the game, but at the same time, mm-hmm. if they're going to be handed to me at the end of the game, then what? what's the point? There's no suspense. There's no—it mm-hmm. it completely erases my, my motivation to want them.
0: Yeah, and with most of them, you're just like, okay, put them to sleep and throw ultra balls for a while. Okay, I got it. <laughs> it's not even like oh. a fight.
3: I will say though, to just to add maybe a little positivity to the new DLC, there are going to be two new uh, Reggie legend legendaries. There's going to be like I think there's going to be an electric one, and what is it? Maybe maybe psychic. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, those do kind of look uh, pretty cool. I do like some of the new like uh, Galarian legendary forms. Is is what it kind of seems like. Uh, they're really cool designs and i'm kind of uh but as far as the dlc went like i i feel like i spent my time with the game and i i really thought about buying the first dlc uh because it looks like it's you know the parts of the game that i like the most it's basically a new wild area to run around and explore this big 3d space and see pokemon in their natural habitats it's shit like that and i'm like dude that's fucking cool but at the same time i was just like you know i feel like i've already had my time with pokemon this generation i feel like that time is done and and i i just don't need to you know bother
3: yeah for me i i'm pretty much turned off a of pokemon from for now because <laughs> it like they they changed the catching mechanic which is what what turned me off of it like i couldn't catch a pokemon because i didn't have a certain level gym badge regardless of
0: yeah that was really weird uh how they handled that because it's like i thought one of the cool things about these wild areas was that you could you know see all these pokemon that are like way crazy high level and then it's like oh but you can't actually beat them and i'm like what why so what's even the point why don't i just avoid them and not give a shit you know, I, I it's like uh, you could grind down your whole team down to almost dust in order to defeat a level 40 with your team of level 20s, but that would yield, like, such negligible experience. It's like you might gain a level, maybe. Yeah. But it would be easier to just run around in circles, like, slaying Ratataz. <laughs> Who cares?
3: Well, that and the fact, like, even if my team was strong enough... If I weakened the Pokemon enough, if I throw a Pokeball, it doesn't matter. It'll just swat it away because it's like it's too strong for you to catch. But I just weakened it down into the red. My Pokemon still has full health. Right. Why can't I? And I felt throw- like
0: it was totally balanced the way they did it before, where it's like, okay, if you go into an area where the Pokemon are too powerful for you or something, then maybe they won't obey you or something. That had a flavorful reason for, and and it still made them like you could use them but you couldn't use them to their full potential until you had got that gym badge or whatever. I thought, I'm like, why was that mechanic scrapped in favor of this just plain annoying one where it's like dangling, look, look at the Snorlax, you you can't catch it, fuck you! It's like, why?
3: Yeah, it makes you think, because like, what what if I had thrown a Master Ball, you know, and the Pokemon was stronger than me and I didn't have a gym badge? Just hypothetically. Yeah, I, I know yeah. they probably thought Snorlax that through. Snorax just like, eats your fucking Master Ball. I know they probably thought that through and, like, didn't give me the Master Ball until after I had, like, every gym badge or whatever, but right. still.
0: I mean, somebody could trade you, you know, a level one Pidgey with a holding a Master Ball. We wanted you to experience a sense of pride and accomplishment. <laughs>
3: I would have more pride and accomplishment catching a Pokemon that was a higher level than I was allowed to catch than not be told than be told that I couldn't catch it because I didn't have a piece of plastic.
0: Right. Anyways, uh, let's move on. Uh, Chris is playing a very appropriate game for this uh, last piece of gaming or second to last piece of gaming news. Oh yes yeah uh so the new super smash brothers character was revealed yesterday is steve from minecraft with alternate skins of alex zombie and enderman which is to say i'm gonna play a shitload of zombie because that's fucking silly and it's amazing and there's more info coming out tomorrow so that's gonna be cool uh i imagine they'll do the you know normal sakurai thing where it's like hey i'm sakurai watch me kick ass with this new guy and uh those are always kind of fun uh so what do you guys think about steve you think he deserves the spot you think he's overrated uh are we thinking
2: uh i'm kind of curious as to what they do with him i i haven't I, i've only heard the news secondhand i haven't actually seen any trailers or anything but mm-hmm.
0: uh
2: i mean if they're going for like most popular games most influential games kind of makes sense that they'd add him. it's just it strikes me as like a very typical choice in some ways and then also at the same time a very weird choice
0: yeah his move set looks pretty weird it's uh i think it looks pretty fun he's got a move where he can like create blocks and like it looks like he can just, like, build random things out of these blocks if you're clever enough. And then they kind of become obstacles for your opponents, but they they break after a set amount of time. Or it looks like they break if your opponents hit them, too. Which is kind of like how it works in Minecraft, obviously. You know, you break apart the blocks by smashing them. But,
3: yeah, uh, I, see, I see a lot of people... Talking about like, the animation style and how fitting it is for, for Steve in the trailer, they thought it was going to have to have been altered to, to fit just kind of like the, the fast pace of the game, but uh, he he looks like he was taken straight out of Minecraft and just thrown straight into Smash, which which I think is good because it, it keeps him pretty true to how, how he would behave in any game, I guess, yeah. by that logic, but... I don't. I think. I think Steve's a good addition. I, I'm not a fan of Minecraft in general. Like, I not. I'm not anti, but I just. It's not my thing. Right. Uh, what? But I think. I'm just kidding. <laughs> with, the, with the massive success of Mojang and Minecraft, I I think it's, and and like the art, like the the art direction of Minecraft, I think it's very befitting and, in a way, kind of overdue. Um, yeah, I can
0: kind so yeah, of see that.
3: Uh... I'm not. I think I think it's as you said earlier spam like you're not necessarily hyped for it but it's not you know you're not necessarily like super stoked or excited yeah. in particular for it but it's it's not something that like you're like oh okay that's a disappointment or whatever like right. no like I I think it'll be a good addition.
0: Yeah Minecraft for me is like I like Minecraft like pretty well. Uh I never thought that Steve would actually get in because he's like he's barely a character you know he's more of an avatar he's just like this is your guy in in this world you know he doesn't have a real personality to him uh is is if i have any beef with this announcement that's it and it that's not like all that bad right i'm like okay there's there's other avatar characters obviously you got byleth and corin um so it's like it's not unheard of but i i I don't know. I just, like, never saw him as anything more than that. I don't think he... I feel like Corin and Byleth try to be more than that. And I feel like Steve doesn't. So <laughs> I guess I just had it in my brain. So that's one of the reasons that I am actually really excited for this, though, is that I never saw it coming. I Like, all of my predictions, like, for the next thousand years, would never have been Steve. <laughs> so I'm just excited that, like such a left-field announcement kind of came out and just surprised the fuck out of me.
2: Uh, I will say the only thing that really disappoints me about this announcement is that it's not
0: uh, Chrono from Chrono Trigger. That would actually be really cool. I would like to see Chrono... Uh, I think Chrono
3: would be excellent.
0: Yeah. I wonder if they yeah. could, like, incorporate, like... I don't know, I'm just kind of thinking almost of like, the core mechanics of Chrono Trigger are all based around having a party and doing multiple things, so I wonder if they'd, like, put in, like, Chrono and Marl together, and and maybe even a third, like, Frog or somebody, and have all three of them do, you know, different things. Uh, Maybe you can switch between them, or maybe you can do combo attacks. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah, because they could theoretically work, like, um, uh, Ice Climbers or something, where there's both of them there. Uh, so... There's a lot of cool stuff you could do with that. And I feel like for Chrono to work really well, you'd you'd almost have to add that kind of... Because that was the coolest thing about Chrono Trigger's combat system is depending on your party, you had access to totally different moves uh, because of the combo attacks and stuff. And that was like the defining factor of the gameplay for me.
2: I think it would be really interesting to see him have a bunch of different final smashes that were just all triple techs from the game.
0: (laughs) Now that would be sweet. (laughs) I love Uh,
3: that. They, I think they showed his final smash. Actually, I don't remember what it was. Uh, I do remember. I do remember they showed his like. Uh, his victory screen and it was him like building a house and like yeah out
0: Steve's the- uh, final smash is pretty hilarious because he he puts down like this giant plunger thing and it just smashes your guy into a cutscene like a lot of them are doing with oh TV. that's right and, it's, it, uh... and it smashes you like into the back of this house full of fucking creepers and you just look around and, and the creepers all blow up on you I'm like <laughs> and then like it kind of zooms out to this house exploding and Steve's just there just eating a piece of meat <laughs> like, You fucking dick, that's awesome. (laughs) Just. What a cheeky bastard just gnawing on a steak while this guy's exploding. I love it. All right, uh, today's beer of the week is a uh, special for the first podcast in the month of October uh, because October is pumpkin season, apparently. So look at me, I got my pumpkin spice. I'm such a, such a, white something. girl. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm a white girl apparently, because I like you're pumpkin spice. So I don't know. I'm like, um, pumpkin beers. I'm like a little bit hit and miss on. Um, this one's from our good buddies over at Golden City Brewery. So if you're in the Colorado area, go check them out. They make the best beer in the motherfucking world. Um, they've been on I the podcast Jeremy a few times.
3: Uh, Jeremy a bone to pick with that statement
0: uh what
3: so i think germany just the country of germany would have a bone (laughs) to pick with that statement
0: all right well if they can make a german beer in germany as good as they can in golden city brewery then (laughs) i i would love to see them try having Uh,
2: tasted golden city brewery beers uh i i gotta say like i don't i have not tasted every beer in the world but they are uh, fucking
0: up there mm mm-hmm I've always kind of wanted to go and, you know, experience some of these beers in, like, the places where the style originated at breweries where they might have originated and stuff like that. See some historic breweries like that. I just thought that would be cool. I went to the Guinness Brewery when I was a kid and I was too young to drink, even in Ireland, and it was like, ah, it's right there, but I have to have a Coke. Fuck. But, uh... It was kind of cool just to tour the Guinness Brewery though because there's a lot of history there anyways and I learned a lot about brewing beer even though I was only like 13 or something. 12 or 13? Yeah. Anyways, uh, so this is... uh, Normally they have on tap at Golden City Brewery their Mad Molly's Brown Ale and this is their Mad Molly's Pumpkin Brown. Um, So I I had a little bit of this with supper tonight too because I got a growler. So I've been pre-gaming already. Mhm. Uh-huh. And this is one of the better pumpkin beers I've had, actually. Is um, it mixes well with the general uh, nuttiness and carameliness in the brown ale uh, itself, and that makes for a really unique. You know, it's it's not overly pumpkiny too. It's like it's got enough pumpkin that you can tell it's a pumpkin ale, but I feel like most pumpkin ales are just like larkers pumpkin and maybe a little cinnamon shut up and drink it and uh this one's really unique really really hits the spot in just as many ways as a pumpkin beer possibly can i feel like that is a 15. my favorite wedding
2: song shut up and
0: drink
3: that's my favorite wedding toast
0: (laughs) if i'm ever asked to do a wedding toast that's gonna be my wedding toast Hmm. Nobody ever asks me to do wedding toasts or, or speeches or anything like that, because I'm always the guy that plays the bagpipes at everybody's wedding.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I know some weddings that you're playing bagpipes at.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> All right. And, uh, Chris, do you want to do our last piece of news and booze?
2: Uh, yeah, this is one that's been personally exciting for me, as a tabletop dude who continues to buy Kevin Crawford's shit. Uh, World with worlds without number Kickstarter is scheduled to go live on October fifth, which is awesome in that it's kind of like an original flavor, uh, almost D and return to form uh, book, but it's more in the flavor of uh, Jack Vance's Dying Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh it's o- It's only got the three classes, but man, are they distinctive! Mage characters right. can only cast a few spells per day, but their spells are incredibly powerful. Um, I thought fighters about are making d and D
0: homebrew class like that once. That got like uh, access to like level two spells at level one, uh, and like just got an accelerated like uh, growth of spell learning, but could only do like one spell a day for the like the first three levels and then get like two spells a day after that or something so they were like the you know epitome of the glass cannon just like i can cast fireball three levels before anybody else but i can do it one time per day and then i am useless But yeah, uh, Worlds Without Numbers does sound pretty cool, so check that out on Kickstarter. Uh, I will put the link in the description on YouTube and Podbean if you are interested in Worlds Without Numbers. Yep. And with that, shall we go into our video game topic for the week? Absolutely. Video game topic for today is PlayStation 5 versus Xbox Sex.
1: Mm. PlayStation
2: Five versus Xbox Six. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, just uh you know, we're we're pretty short away from these, uh, and I was wondering, you know, what you guys have thoughts of, like for the short term, for the long term. Uh, how do you do? How do you think they'll do? Or which one are you buying? If either, uh, are you going to buy both eventually, or you know, just all all these, all these kind of things about you know, we're about to enter a new generation of gaming uh what do you guys think about it
3: so i'll be having both either first day or the first couple of weeks because my the xbox will be coming from amazon so who knows if they'll delay that one or not right but playstation the, the playstation 5 will be here from walmart hopefully day one as well mm-hmm. um i'm expecting pretty much what what it's pretty obvious with both so like the xbox series x or the xbox X is going in my living room it's going to be like it's just it's not going to be like a centerpiece it's not going to the game room it's not going to get the the love and attention like the ps5 is going to get um Mm -hmm. but it's going to be something you know that has a disc drive i can play movies in like i i have games pass i'll i'll casually play games on it in the living room um so that'll be Good to have. I expect PlayStation to maintain this strong uh, first party IP. Um, li- I don't want to say lineup, but just a, a continuation, a-, a flow of games, if you will. Yeah. So, like, I-, I hope for a Bloodborne HD remake. I-, I-, I think both companies will strive doing remakes and remasters because uh, that's mm-hmm. still a continuing trend. But for PlayStation, Bloodborne HD remake will be great. Um, I heard rumors of God, of a God of War three HD remake, uh, like another one. Obviously, they did one before, um, mm. but for for Xbox, you know they're they're making the monetary moves. They're buying studios. Uh, we're probably going to get a PS five upgraded Skyrim, um, for all we know but I, I still am not expecting anything strong from Xbox, so my expectations are, are set pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's my general thought.
0: Yeah, I'm not quite sure how to like look at Xbox in the long term because I feel like in the short term that that all is absolutely correct, but just with the amount of studios that Xbox has bought and with some of the key ones like Bethesda, you know, I feel like in the next, you know, three or four years, we could really see the fruits of that and it could be really, really beneficial for Xbox potentially. Uh, you know, if Elder Scrolls six comes out and it's Xbox exclusive, I feel like that's bigger to me than anything PlayStation has ever had, uh, as far as exclusives go. Uh, just cause I'm a, you know, massive Elder Scrolls fan, uh, you know, same thing with, uh, doom or fallout. If either one of those comes out and it's Xbox exclusive, I feel like that's, you know, a real big ding against Sony. Uh, but at the same time, you know, those kinds of potential futures are, are a long way off cause you know, whatever projects Bethesda started, Uh, You know, they probably already had, you know, PS5 versions in the works for a lot of them, uh, things like that. So I think for the next few years, I think we're going to see Bethesda still maintain almost that third-party status where they're putting everything they make on every console that they can, uh, you know. But I think after a few years, we could potentially see, you know, some really big things moving in Xbox's favor for first-party titles. And especially since, you know, those are going to be bundled into Game Pass, like, you know, that's that's kind of crazy to think about. It, you know, theoretically, we could have, you know, in two or three years, we could have a Fallout game and an Elder Scrolls game and a Doom game all come out in the same year, theoretically, and you don't have to buy any of them to play them on xbox you just have to you know be subscribed to the service and then bam you get all these and then you know maybe even a new halo expansion a new gears of war fabled something like that i feel like they could have a ridiculously strong lineup and the fact that they're monetizing it the way they are later in the generation i think could really skyrocket them ahead of sony potentially
3: realistically i think we could also see the increase in timed exclusives if they're not going to make it just one or the other um i, I think we've seen a spike in that in the past couple of years as well so like yeah i don't know maybe like a six month to a year release between systems
0: yeah Because we've seen that from in in several places, you know, timed exclusives. There's been several on Switch, several on PS4. Um, I can't think of any specifically on Xbox, but I bet they've been there. And that's another thing that is also kind of interesting is, you know, is Bethesda being part of Microsoft, is that actually going to make it console exclusive? Because I still kind of wonder, you know, Are they going to? Because I feel like they could put it on Game Pass and get all their Xbox users to just have it that way, and then also monetize it as the $60 or $70 price point going into the next gen, potentially, and then have, like, you know. I feel like that would be an interesting marketing strategy. So then you're kind of getting it the best of both worlds. You know, your Xbox users are going to get it on Game Pass 99% of the time. And then your PS5 users are still going to want that. So they'd probably be willing to pay the full price for, you know, all these games. And then theoretically, you'd just be reaping the rewards from both demographics. Um, personally, I'm, I, I thought I was going to be on the PS5 hype train until like last week when I pre-ordered my Xbox series X pretty much or series S because, uh, another thing that I think is the pricing model, uh, cause you know, 500 bucks is, a little bit hard for me to stomach where I am at financially. And it's like, it's not impossible. I can, I can, you know, throw down 500 bucks on something I really want every now and then. It's not going to kill me. You know, my finances are not amazing, but they're like, I'm good enough. Okay. 500 bucks. I can, I can fix it. But 300 bucks is like, just for some reason that 200 bucks to me is just like way (laughs) easier to stomach. So I'm just like, i was like right away i was interested in this and then they announced that they were getting bethesda and i was like also you know i don't really have to buy games for it so i'm at least for the start of the generation i'm gonna be an xbox gamer and not a playstation gamer primarily because of game pass you know i'm gonna set up my xbox series s and i'm just gonna you know play games on game pass i'm gonna get cyberpunk for it just because I feel like I should buy one game for it, but, like, whatever, <laughs> you know. Most games I play for this system for its entire lifetime are going to be, uh, you know, just whatever happens to be on Game Pass at the time. And, like, I don't even have any plans right now of going to uh, Series X, like, ever I don't have any specific plans to upgrade. I'm like, it almost seems like pointless to upgrade a little bit, cause like, I, I don't know. It it it'll all run better and all that, but I'm just like, at the same time, I'm like, these'll run fine for like the whole generation theoretically, and like, why would I pay the extra five hundred bucks again to upgrade to something that I. Can play already. So which is another kind of thing against Sony, at least at the start of the generation, like I'm saying. Because I, I feel like I could definitely be a PS5 gamer like down the line. I would like to have both consoles, because there's games on both consoles that I want to play. But for the start of the generation, the games I want to play are also coming to PS4, and I don't feel like I have to upgrade in order to play the games I want to play. So I'm just like, I don't care. That was like when I found out that, I was like, that was kind of the straw, that I was like, okay, I'm gonna go Xbox instead of PS5, at least for the launch period, because, uh, you know, I can play all of the games that I want to play on PS5 on my PS4, because the big things for me are Miles Morales and, uh, Horizon, and those are both coming out on PS4 as well. So I'm like, why do I even care? Like until Final Fantasy 16 comes out, I don't give a crap.
3: <laughs> yeah, and Demon Souls is the big seller for me on PS5. Yeah. I never played Demon Souls on PS3, but being the big Dark Souls fan that I am, that that game just it sells it for me. And I guess a little mini piece of gaming news is that they kind of shadow dropped a, a another game that was I don't remember what company did it but it's called Mortal Shell. It's uh it's very much Dark Souls-esque okay. and I think it's like 30 bucks but it it's released digitally and the physical copy was supposed to release today and it got pushed back to November uh okay. just to try and meet development demands. Um but yeah, that's 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 the big pusher for me. Like Miles Morales, I I can't imagine aside from the story, the gameplay of that being much more than than what Spidey PS4 was. And right. I platinum Spidey PS4, mm-hmm. so I might, I might wait for a price drop on Miles Morales. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah.
0: Yeah, for me, I'm just like I really liked. Spider-Man PS4 pretty well and uh you know I'd be excited to play another you know even if the combat is literally exactly the same I'm like okay some new missions starring Miles Morales I think the story content kind of sells that game for me at least but again it's like it's coming out on PS4 why would I pay you know 570 bucks when I could pay 60 or or 40 I think it's even not a full price game I think it's like 40 bucks on PS4 or something so I'm like, okay, that, that's good I enough think, for me. I think
3: that's the case, because with the $70, and I could be wrong on this, with the $70 one, you, you're also getting the PS5, spiced up PS4 version of Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, uh, in the uh, digital special edition, or whatever they're calling it, uh, which is a kind of an interesting idea, but I'm like not itching to play that game again. I'm like... I'll go back to it eventually, and if there's, you know, big new content, like a whole game worth in Miles Morales, then I'm interested, but I'm not, like, super gung-ho about, like, revisiting it right away. So I'm like, because I, cause I only played Spider-Man, Uh, I finished it earlier this year. So I'm like, it was like right in March or something that I, I beat. I beat it on PS4. So I'm like, you know, maybe if I got it, like, right at launch and beat it real quick, then maybe I'd be in that boat, but I'm not sure. Um, for Demon Souls, that does look really cool. I'm, I would be into that if I was getting a PS5. I'm not, like, super into the Souls series, though. Um, I've played Dark Souls 3 very briefly. I, I played, you know, up to a certain, I'm not even sure how much I played, like, maybe an hour or two, um... And it was, it was an interesting experience, but it like, it wasn't enough to sell me on a system so far, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of where I am on that. Like if I had a PS five, I might just get it because it's, you know, one of the big games for PS five, but it's not a thing that convinces me. I need one. right. Uh, Chris, where do you stand on this? Are you interested in Xbox or PS5 at this point? Because you haven't had a new console console other than Switch in a long time, have you? Because you 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 still got like like your last one was your PS3, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Uh, well, let's see. There's PS3, and then there was Switch, and not a lot between that. Uh, yeah. I feel like if I was to pick up a console, it would still be, uh, still be PS Five, <laughs> due to them usually having more of the games that I like on them. Right. Uh, the big deciding factor for me would be most of the stuff that'll come out on Xbox or be Xbox exclusive. I feel like usually winds its way up to being on the superior of Microsoft's gaming machines.
0: <laughs> uh, right. So. Yeah, uh, I guess what do you think about this as a, a more of a PC gamer than uh, I don't know how much Lyle does but I'm primarily a console gamer so as a, as a big PC gamer uh, do, do you have much interest in this console generation at all?
2: Uh, for me, it's usually when I pay attention. It's always been games, game specific games. If, yeah. uh, if Final Fantasy VII remake, the complete version makes its way onto PS5, that's much more <laughs> of a point in its favor. Uh, I never had really had the chance to play, say, the Fables uh, by myself. Never. <laughs> And so I don't. I'm not at so attached to those series. I can see why someone might be excited about that. Yeah. Um. Mostly, uh, and most of the game. So yeah, most of the games that I like to see either come out on Switch or a Nintendo console. Like, or they come out on a uh, Sony console or they eventually wind their way up on PC.
0: Yeah, because that's an interesting thing, especially even with Sony, lately a lot of their big things have been coming to PC, you know. uh, Horizon Zero Dawn released earlier this year on PC, as did Death Stranding. Um, And Final Fantasy VII Remake will release next year on PC. So uh, to a certain extent, if you are a PC gamer, I can't, personally see a lot in this generation for you especially from the xbox side of things because almost all the xbox games are coming to pc as well especially the microsoft produced ones come like day and date they release on both and so like that's how i got into game pass is i'm just playing it on my pc and i'm like kind of playing it on my pc mostly because i don't have an xbox because i'm still plugging in my xbox 360 controller which i just dropped on (laughs) the Xbox 360 controller.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, and my view on it is even though console exclusives tend to come a bit later to PC, that usually means they've had time to be sorted out. Like, the good ones have been. Pe- people have figured out what the good ones are and how to feel about a game more. And I'm not just jumping in on a hype train that might lead to failure.
0: Mm-hmm. I love jumping in on hype trains that might lead to failure. It's like my favorite pastime. Okay. Uh So what do you guys think about uh, Nintendo in the next generation? Do you think that uh, because Nintendo is, at the very least, like like, there's rumors of a Switch Pro or something coming out, but even if that does come true... Uh, do you think there's the chance of uh, uh, like like there there is basically there is no chance of a Switch Two right a, a next gen next gen Switch so do you think that uh Switch will do as well as it has done uh, in the current ecosystem in the next ecosystem uh, I
3: don't sorry go on oh no, go ahead uh, I was just going to say I don't agree with the with the uh, with the idea of like Especially when it comes to the Switch, you know, there's there's only really one way to have it, because they already have the Switch and the Switch Lite. I don't like the idea of multiple systems, so, like, I think that they could honestly spend the time developing either games or the true next generation of a Nintendo system mm-hmm. um, instead of focusing on something that's just ever so slightly better than what they currently have. yeah your your average consumer is not going to care about you know if if the screen is like a half inch bigger or it runs 0.5 seconds faster or if it its battery life is 30 minutes longer what have you like it's just not it's not what's important to me as a consumer yeah. uh, so I, I really hope nintendo is is focusing on getting their dev teams um, on the games that they've already promised that are coming. So like Bayonetta three Metroid prime four, the, the ones that we are kind of like, Hey, Nintendo, you, you said this a while ago, you haven't really said much since what's, what's the dealio. Um, And I really hope time is being put into that versus a a, a new system.
0: Yeah. It's kind of hard to say exactly. Cause um, I feel like at a certain point in this next generation, the potential is there that third parties will drop off of switch like they did with wii u just because it it really can't compete uh or not even that wii u couldn't compete wii u had other issues but there comes a point where i feel like the compromise is made to make a game run on handheld will be a lot more complicated to kind of figure out as you're designing a game especially you know because if you're designing a game for new consoles that are designing it to run at 4k 60 fps and stuff like that and then you also have to make a downgraded version you know how much do you downgrade you know uh can you optimize it as well or is that going to take basically the same amount of work as it would to make an entirely new game uh so for third-party developers that are making their stuff available on, you know, every console, uh, is there going to come a point this generation where Switch literally just can't keep up and third parties drop Nintendo again?
2: I mean, that's... I feel like that's a possibility, but the draw of Nintendo has always been their first-party games.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's never, it's never really been the hardware. It's, it's. Oh my god, the next Zelda. It's. Oh my god, the next Mario. It's never truly like Mario sells itself. It really <laughs> does. Um, Zelda, uh, Zelda is pretty much at that point. Yeah, it's Zelda games are you know obviously a bit more dynamic with with uh, just their the sheer concept. So there's a little more looking into it when buying a Zelda game, but at the same time. We you know. we uh
2: we may be biased. Uh, this is a podcast called uh, "Drink to the <laughs> Past."
0: Yeah. Uh, cause for me, yeah, they, like it doesn't matter. You you can be as experimental or as traditional as you want. If it has a Legend of Zelda logo on the box, I'll buy a fucking console for it.
3: I mean, hell, Hyrule Warriors Cadence of Hyrule. Like they've they've done a lot of experimentation with the franchise. Mm-hmm. Just in and it and it sells like it's it does well because they take their time with it and it's it's not even so much the the game or the team like the game itself that sells it's it's because of the team that works on it like nintendo cares about their product they it's it's known every single gaming company admits it like sony sony says it microsoft says it developers say it when they whenever they get a chance to work with nintendo they're they know that Nintendo does not like to put out a faulty product Mm -hmm. and it shows in their product.
0: Yeah. So uh, what do you think uh, sales wise, these things will do? We don't have to do like exact numbers, but do you think that PS five will just skyrocket ahead or do you think there's more to the, you know, Xbox series of marketing that uh, could potentially lead it to victory in the end just through the fact that you don't have to buy games and stuff like that? Uh, which one do you think will come out the overall uh, number victor and will that dictate who was most successful in the console generation?
1: I,
2: if I had to put money on it, I would put money on... And it's just between Xbox and PlayStation. I would put money on PlayStation if only because I think gamers like to own their games.
0: That is true. Uh, Lyle and me, I know, are at least very big physical collectors as well. Yep. Uh, so that is one kind of mark against Xbox, even though I went against, you know, I, it, it kind of goes against my quote-unquote moral code to, you know, buy a digital-only console, because one of the things that I'm going to really miss about that, as far as being an Xbox gamer, is actually buying games and, and owning them and having physical copies and displaying all my cases and shit like that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it's such a good deal financially that, like, I, I feel like I can't say no. So I feel like they've both got their different things going for them uh in the end i feel like ps5 will probably sell more units than uh xbox series s slash x but i also feel like that doesn't necessarily dictate that they're the better more successful console or or maybe even not console but uh uh, company, because Microsoft is going to make a buttload of Game Pass, and they're not just going to do it on Xbox. They're going to do it on PC, on Xbox, and on streaming devices. Um, so the fact that their uh, marketing is so different, I feel like in the end, it'll probably be similar numbers in terms of financial success but i feel like in units sold of the console i feel like playstation will probably be the clear victor there uh what do you think about this lyle
3: um i think because microsoft came out of the bat or came out of the door swinging with uh with their bragging about how powerful their system was that became that became the sole focus of their marketing with the Xbox, and like they know, they know the games aren't really there. They're relying heavily on the Games Pass, which is going to be uh, a, a, a good, like, a good thing for them. Um, but I think because they're focusing on the hardware uh, and and boasting about it and making a, a big deal about it, like it's going to sell the console. Um, I I don't remember how good that the 360 sold at launch but I I feel like that was, I, I feel like that was the best Xbox that's been sold. I, I could be mistaken. I'm not, I'm not going to be looking I believe right
0: that's correct as well, but I'm not, uh, I'm also not a hundred percent sure. I,
3: but I feel like this is, I feel like this is the up curve with, with Xbox kind of, for lack of a better way to put it, bouncing back in the, the unofficial console war that people like to call it. Right. Um, Sony, Sony just will always sell well. Yeah, I I, 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 like to think of, I like to think of Xbox as like the I built it, I built it in my garage, and I, you know I, I did my research and put it together, and I walk out of the garage in like my work clothes, I'm all oily, but here's a finished product and it works. Sony is the rich, classy. I'm walking out of the bar. I spent money where I knew where my research went. Here's my product, and it's also going to work. So I I think it'll be relatively close with kind of maybe Xbox pulling out a little bit in, in the lead.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be an interesting thing to kind of watch how this progresses. And I feel like uh, console fanboys are going to be, you know, yelling each direction in the other. And, you know, because you're right, it, it does kind of just lend itself almost to a a little bit of a console war, but at the same time, it's like, you know, who cares? It's like, just just play the games you like and, and shut the fuck up.
3: People are going to buy things regardless. Both companies yeah. are large enough. Like, it doesn't... Like, you can... Like, boasting strong sales numbers is great. Comparing them is pointless. Uh, yeah. They're massively successful companies, and it's it doesn't matter at this point anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any last thoughts on the PlayStation 5 versus Xbox X?
3: I'm curious about the haptics for the PlayStation 5 controller.
0: I'm a little curious for those as well. Um, I'm also kind of skeptical because I feel like they're probably going to like use it in like two games at the very launch and then forget it exists just like they did with the touchpad on the PS4 controller and the motion controls on the PS4 controller and the HD rumble on the Switch controller. You know, it's just... I feel like it's a gimmick that could be really cool if it was used well, but I feel like a first-party game is going to use it pretty well and then it's never going to be seen again.
3: I don't think that... Four dimensional immersion with console gaming is—is is that important? Um, mm-hmm. Because you know, sitting on the couch and having a piece of plastic shake in your hand is the closest thing you're going to get to getting hit. You know, like it—it's not. I don't think there's anything innovative that's going to be coming with it. The—the um, the best thing that came out of the motion controls with the PS4 controller was. In The Last of Us, when your flashlight battery was going, you'd shake the controller, and it would... I I thought that was really cool. Yeah. But at the same time, like, how small that was compared to the library of games and the amount of things that the controller could actually do, I I don't think we're going to see anything else.
0: Yeah. Because I I like that, but at the same time, uh, out of the PS4 games that I have played... The Last of Us is literally the only one that used those motion controls. And it it just, that was literally the only reason that they were there was, oh, your flashlight is out of battery, shake it up. And it was funny because every time I did it, it reminded me of No More Heroes where you're shaking up your lightsaber to power it up. (laughs) I was like, yeah, Travis Touchdown is making me feel dirty now. but uh yeah so it's cool but i don't expect it to stick around for very long uh all right shall we get into our table topic topic for today is can you remake a tabletop rpg system uh which uh kind of refers back to, uh, obviously the Curse of Strahd campaign setting is being kind of remade insofar as they're bringing it into the modern edition of Dungeons and Dragons, which obviously is a lot more broken into the mainstream than any previous version of Dungeons and Dragons has ever been. Uh, so I think it's cool that, you know, people are going to get to experience this, uh, you know, kind of classic thing, but also would it not be more interesting to some gamers to actually experience it the way it was quote unquote meant to be played? Uh, so could they bring back the whole, you know, like an AD&D system? And I feel like there might be a market for that, uh, to have like, uh, more better explained books, that kind of go a little more in depth into some of the like more obscure rules that might seem really strange to a modern tabletop gamer, uh what do you guys think on that uh, uh, Would you I, be interested in a reprint of a D and d or third edition or or something like that?
2: I have already backed several reprint equivalents but to to answer your to answer the question here. Yes, it's already a thing. It's been... People have actually been doing it for quite a while now.
0: Yeah, uh, just as like a little kind of indie projects, though?
2: Uh, Yeah, but that doesn't mean... That doesn't make them any less... Uh,
0: True, but I feel like because of the nature of that, it is also like just not as... Uh. Successful as bringing them into the mainstream as it would be like if Wizards of the Coast were to literally just reprint, uh, you know, AD and D.
2: So, because if
0: if, at at the point where they are now with fifth edition, I feel like they could theoretically do that and bring on a lot of gamers into you know this kind of retro style. Uh,
2: So, Wizards of the Coast has reprinted. D&D in fairly recent memory. I want to say like 2015, 2016 ish. They've huh. done uh, reprints of like a deluxe edition reprint of the OD- little the three little brown booklets of OD and D.
1: Okay. Which
2: was like hundred dollars and super overpriced, but huh. So, um, it's never been their main focus, but they've always been happy to say. Hey, there's a market for that. Uh, let's let's get some money out of that market.
0: Right. That's interesting because I feel like I had no idea, and they advertised that like crap.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So it's it's something that's and I feel like the big thing you're getting at is trying to reach a new audience with people. Yeah. With ADD, whereas their focus is more about. Uh, not reaching a new audience, but uh, kind of, what is it? Pandering to an old crowd of... You're selling
0: the retro guys, the same retro thing they loved when they were a kid. Yeah. It's uh, it's like uh, making an NES classic, right? You're not giving new gamers access to Super Mario Brothers. You're giving 20-year-old gamers who played Super Mario Brothers... Or 30-year-old gamers, you know, 40-year-old gamers who played Super Mario Bros. when it was cool.
2: Yeah. And uh, so I'd say that the indie, a lot of the indie uh, OSR crowd,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, which if someone knows what indie and OSR tend to refer to, they might be tempted to rip my asshole wide open because they're, they're like pretty different things uh, mm-hmm. but uh, the the smaller like cr- that smaller crowd would be more tempted to uh, say hey here's what the game was like when it was old mm-hmm. uh, here, here's how like what how we played it and try and bring people in yeah. and Wizards of the coast is perfectly happy to say, Hey, we're going to we're going to sell you the same thing you bought years ago, but you know, with a fresh coat of paint. Mhm. Or with or not even fresh coat of paint. It's going to we've tried to make it look authentic. Right. Uh and so it's kind it is kind of a shame that and I don't I don't think Wizards would ever uh their incentive isn't there to What is it? What's the word? Their incentive isn't there to support that, because Mm. all of their money is in 5th edition. Right. Uh, But for... But if they were to do that properly, they'd want to give better advice. They'd want to give better ways of playing the game.
0: Yeah, because that's one of the things that, uh, like, going back like even if they just literally are because it's it sounds to me like they're literally just reprinting the books
2: uh yeah
0: yeah so um Completely yeah what i'm kind of thinking though is that maybe they'd go back through them and you know uh make a couple of uh you know balance changes here and there perhaps uh and things to make it a little bit more player friendly or 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 player understanding friendly uh you know because one of the things i have trouble with a little bit in older systems is kind of reading through it and like a lot of it i feel like is explained in an over complicated way like i remember the first time i was reading an ad and d book and i'm trying to figure out what the fuck thaco means <laughs>
2: it's all written in like High Gigaxian, or it's written in the right, era yeah. before people understood how to write technical English. Yeah.
0: And in the end, I figured out that oh, wait, this is literally the same by the numbers as it is in 3.5, it's just explained bass backwards. So if they like made it, if they use the same system that they do, but uh, you know they explained it like 3.5 explains it, and used the balance numbers from AD&D, I feel like they could kind of have the best of both worlds, where it's easier to understand, yet it's technically the same system. Are you Uh, making a Lazarus pit there or something? I am
2: making a very luxurious... I'm I'm making a very luxurious pool. (laughs) Uh, It's like a little bath that I'm like, hey, get undressed over here and then climb in the fucking emerald pool. Nice.
0: For those of you not watching on YouTube, you can check us out every week for different gameplay. This week is Chris playing Minecraft, so check it out. Um, Lyle, uh, you've been a little bit quiet. Uh, you don't play as much tabletops as uh, either of us, I don't think, right? Correct. Um, you don't play tabletops at all, do you?
3: Uh, not at the moment.
0: Okay, Okay. Uh, so I always think it's interesting to hear people's opinions anyways. Uh, So as a person who, like, if you were to get into a tabletop RPG, would you think it would be interesting to see, like, a classic RPG system remade? Or would you be more into getting into, like, the modern thing that everybody is playing?
3: So... I'm a very visual person, so it would it would have to be something that keeps me stimulated um, but when it comes to when it comes to having something traditional versus having something revamped, I think it would depend on the game really so if you the so I played mafia you know as like a campfire game oh. um with people, and obviously that's not like a tabletop sort of sort of situation. you don't have cards or anything like that, but uh
2: it qualifies as like a traditional game. I don't
3: know. So, but if you look at that, if you look at Mafia, and then now we have Among Us. Among Us is a completely new way to play Mafia. Yeah. Um, you could kind of, you could kind of see that as, as I don't know, a, a transition from a traditional, a traditional way, traditional medium to a new medium. Um, I have a hard time sitting still. Uh, for a board game, for a very long period period of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, so, as I said, it, it would honestly depend on the game. Okay. But I, I, I'm, I'm I'm big on the I'm big on the traditional sense. So, like with Final Fantasy VII, I I wish they retained the turn based combat. Mm-hmm. So that that's what kept me going. Um, the the action, the revamping, like the the graphics are great. Like it's a new way to play. An older game for sure but in that case i would i would want you know new gamers to be able to appreciate where this new version of this older game is coming from um which is why i was kind of hoping that they would include like a a turn-based setting uh that yeah. wasn't you know like easy mode or tutorial mode or, or something right, like that.
0: right yeah that was weird how they advertised classic mode too because they said, "Oh yeah, it gives you a more classic vibe," and I'm like, "No, it's just like you're not good at this game mode, <laughs> right?" Because yeah. classic mode, literally, it just plays most of the game for you. It's it's weird. Like I I read through it when I was like looking through the game modes, and I was like, "Dude, this is like crazy." It's this hard. doesn't even. Yeah, it's like. Why would you want that much of the game to be played for you? Like, why at at that point, why aren't you just watching Advent Children or something? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Oh, and uh, because I can't miss this opportunity to shill for myself, mm-hmm. or uh, Five Cataclysms is very much in the vein of. Uh, a retread like that mm-hmm. so yeah you know.
0: so That's yes true. so check out and, five cataclysms on drive Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. hashtag yes. shameless plug every time we shamelessly plug each other we have to drink right yeah,
2: I'll drink to that
0: I'll drink to you drinking to that
2: thank
0: you mm. I'll
2: drink to you drinking to drinking to that nice
0: all right um is there anything else we want to kind of go over here uh as far as remaking a tabletop rpg system i kind of got this idea in my head personally because um i was thinking the other day of uh our play group and you know the various ups and downs we've had because for the most part, we've uh, stuck to the 3.5 and Pathfinder editions. And uh, something I have with, you know, sometimes when we have new players in our group or new players in other groups, uh, sometimes have difficulty jumping into 3.5 as an edition because it's a lot more rules intensive than 5th edition. You, you have to be a little bit more of an expert in everything to kind of run the game as well as you do in 5th edition, where in 5th edition it's it's just, I don't want to say dumbed down, but I feel like it's just easier to kind of pick up and play, even if you've literally never played a tabletop game before. You can pick up 5th edition with a group of buddies, you know, just buy the core rule books and you'll figure it out. Whereas I-, I feel like you almost have to be taught 3.5 yeah we, but that's where i started and so that's you know it's familiar to me and i you know i i find the things that i love about it are also not there in fifth edition as well so that's kind of where i got into this was um could they remake fee 3.5 or even re-release it for the new audience now that D is as popular as it is um and i i wonder how something like that would work where it's like it's i feel because i think it's also familiar enough where i feel like fifth edition players if now that they have that basis i feel like if it was explained correctly it wouldn't be as big of a shock as it is to players that are just like trying like Oh, I've played fifth edition before. I pick up a three point five book and try to figure it out myself, and then they're still confused. I, I feel like it's maybe part of the problem. I think I
2: the big draw of three point five was the building your own your character kind of mini game. Yeah, uh, which is not a knock against three point five. It, it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons it was like the most popular edition for a long time. Uh, but I mm-hmm. I think that appeals to a specific niche of Mm -hmm. people. Like, you and I, Sean, both like Magic the Gathering. We like the deck-building aspect of that. Yeah. Uh, Other people don't. They hate it. They vehemently despise it, and as a result, they don't play Magic.
0: Yeah, and Uh, I've even got some friends that play Magic that don't like the deck-building, so they build, like one deck that works pretty well that they don't have to pay attention to how to play very much, that, you know, no matter what's going on, you'll play the deck the same. And they'll play the same deck, you know, or the same two or three decks, you know, maybe, if they get that far. Uh, Whereas I'm like a guy that builds decks and then keeps them forever, and I have a backpack with 100 decks in it.
2: So I feel like, uh, for people like you and me, uh, 3.5... Has a very strong appeal in that. Oh, but what if I do this and what if I do this? Yeah. And but uh, I feel like that character building mini game or the deck building meta game is very different from playing like the actual game in a lot of ways. And a lot of players resent having to feel like they need to be good at the mini game to get to play the actual game right. of like magic or DD
0: I, feel and like I think those kinds of things of are kind of intertwined though. Uh, cuz you know, I feel like you will never be great at magic unless you are focusing on deck building as well as playing your deck correctly oh, because I, I absolutely like, agree with you. You can look up the best deck build that there is online and, you know, buy the cards and build the tournament winning deck from last year and go in and suck because you don't know when to play what card, you know, and I feel like this is true in both cases because you could feat build a fighter a million different ways in 3.5 and make a million different characters. Uh, you know, cause I, that was one of the things that I loved is I'd just play fighters, but I, you know, build them differently every time I played one. So I'd have like a Lance charging horse riding fighter. I'd have a giant ax fighter. I'd have a sword and shield fighter and each one of them would be customized a little differently to make each one of those things more effective. And, because of the way I customize them, it really had to engage me also in the way that I thought about them tactically. Because you know I can't just charge into battle every single time and get myself right into the middle with the sh- sword and shield guy, but that's Shots. exactly what I do with a. So it it really depends on what you're doing. Uh, go uh, ahead.
2: So what I was gonna say is one, I agree with you. If mm-hmm. in both 3.5 and in magic, um. The deck building or the character building is such a huge part of how you play. It's part of like how you get good at the game. But mm-hmm. two, that necessarily limits the scope of its like appeal.
1: Mm-hmm. There
2: are players that love one aspect of the game and mm. just don't care for the character build. And I think... The strength of fifth edition and a lot of the old school DD editions is you can sit down and you can roll up a character and you can be playing that character in about five minutes Mm -hmm. and um and it's and obviously we've we've had our argument about our arguments about uh the old school kind of D and D style versus the the newer kind of D and D yeah. or like the 3.5 kind of D and D style. Where mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm a fan of both, but I really like the kind of build a character. I I, I really like the kind of your character develops through experiences and you don't explicitly build them aspect of it. It's it's my it's my preferred
1: mm-hmm. at this point
2: even if I still love 3.5, because that's also what I grew up on.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I think... I think what... would... the kind of... the thing... you'd have to approach... when you did a remake of those games, and you wanted to explain to players, or, like, po- potential buyers, what the appeal of those games were, the advice you would give and like in either circumstance is wildly different.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Cause I feel like there's definitely a benefit to pick up and play. uh, But at the end of the day, I feel like if you take the time to learn a more complex system there, it's more rewarding to make a more interesting character Because, you know, like I said, in 3.5, you can build a fighter a million ways. In 5th edition, you build a fighter and and he's just a fighter. And Uh, every fighter is almost unanimously the same.
2: I think the complexities of 3.5 also have... They also had the trade-offs of longer longer turns, longer combat rounds, a more kind of a greater emphasis on, like, combat and mechanical differentiation over, like, roleplay differentiation. Yeah. Um. Which, I, I, again, it's just like it's particular to that game. I I don't hate it. In fact, I love it because <laughs> it's what I grew up playing. But yeah. It's uh, it's three point. I feel like a three point five remake would need to focus on options, and be like, hey, look at all these options, and then it would need to focus on, oh, don't pick these bad options. It would need to, like, carefully prune itself to get rid of, like, remember original, the original feat toughness that gave you three extra hit points? Yeah. Yeah. So, it would need to either get rid of it or rework something like that into, well, what Pathfinder toughness is. Yeah. Uh, I, so, a uh, remake, and in essence, we, uh, we've seen a remake of 3.5 and Pathfinder.
0: That's true. Um, I'd be kind of interested to look at sales numbers for the two of those as well, because Pathfinder has also been kind of uh, kept up over the years more than 3.5 has, because obviously Wizards of the Coast moved on to 4th edition and just stopped giving a shit about 3.5, but Pathfinder and- has been going for quite a while.
2: And fourth edition was definitely I, I would I think I like fourth edition, but it was I it was definitely a move too much in that direction, the yeah. character building direction.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. So is that all we have on this uh, topic here? Then pretty much. I I have
2: I think I've said my piece.
0: All right. Uh, then we'll get into our final. Segment of the podcast, which is where we talk about inane bullshit until somebody says something really awkward and I cut off the podcast. Uh, okay. I will... What kind of inane bullshit are we going to spin today?
2: Well, today I'll just say uh, we moved the Five Cataclysm storefront. or We still have it on Drive-Thru RPG, but it's now up on H.I.O. So Ooh. if you ever felt like picking up any of that retro gaming, but with a new take on it, Bullshit that we got going on. Uh, you can pick our stuff up there. Uh, pick up Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition, which is you know still under development, and uh, House of Flowers, which is an adventure I wrote for free, and see what uh, and see uh, how the game would have been like through in an alternate universe. Almost, I think, is how one reviewer described it.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, so I guess we could also do our shameless plugs at the end that I usually forget. So as always, I'm your host, Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. You can catch me on com. I have articles and stuff, and I've got an idea for a new article that I haven't got around to writing for a couple of weeks, so I have to drink. Uh, which means I need more beer. Uh, and of course, we're joined by our special guest this week, Mr. Breath of the Lyle. You can catch him on all sorts of places. Lyle, tell him about yourself.
3: Uh, I am on all sorts of places.com. Just kidding. Don't go there. That's not a real place. <laughs> if you do, I am not responsible for what you may or may not find. Oh, um, I am on Twitter, Instagram. I'm having trouble finding that site. <laughs> I am on Twitter, Instagram, the and I
0: can't be reached. You lied.
3: <laughs> I, I said I'm not responsible. Um. <laughs> By the same name, Breath of the Lyle, I I stream all sorts of things, I love games, I love talking, I'm also two guys playing Zelda uh, writer, although I have probably the longest period from my last article up until now of all the writers. Uh, but that is all, that is okay. I still have ideas tossed around. So we'll, I think we'll, I'm
0: one of the two that's actually posted anything since the pandemic started. So it's like, it's a little bit. Okay. Everybody's a little like the, the whole website kind of just like everybody who writes for it just kind of stopped existing for a few months. And most of us have not done shit since. So don't feel too bad good about stuff. it. Yeah. It's so good.
3: Um, but yeah, that's me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and of course, my glorious ish cloho clo- 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 drink.
3: I already plugged myself
2: because I'm a jackass. Uh,
0: yeah, but you forgot to say Chris, an inexplicable, hilarious middle name, Audet.
2: Oh, fuck. Yeah, I really got to drink for that.
0: One. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Mm. Yeah. Chris love...
2: Condominium Audet.
0: I love mugs with a lid. Because you can just flap them up and down. Mm -hmm. Every time you're drinking, you're like, look at me. I have a lid. I
2: I like your lidded mug.
0: Yeah. That's a good one. I I chose this one actually specifically because I got a Golden City Brewery beer. And um, I used to work at the Cheshire Cat Brew Pub, which was owned by the same owners who still own the Golden City Brewery. And uh, I I worked there when I was a teenager. And uh, they had a thing where if you – brought in a mug, you could keep it there at the place and drink beer out of it all the time. And even though I wasn't over 21, I, I bought this mug at the thrift store and I brought it in and I'd drink Mountain Dew out of it all the time. Um, except when the uh, cook got off and uh, would would he'd say, here, let me get you some more Mountain Dew and he'd he'd actually fill it full of uh, uh, woodchuck hard yes. cider. So that was how I got some of my underage drinking.
2: <laughs> you sure you want to advertise that?
0: We're not advertising all the children
2: that. of the world, I, all the children. I mean, they us.
0: can't shut down the Cheshire Cat. It's it's, it's already shut ten down. years ago. Almost. When was that? That was
2: They can totally have to go That was after actually that more that than ten years, years ago.
0: Extremely
1: vague description.
0: Yeah. So well if they look up the specific cook and they can figure out which one it was that was giving me pints of cider underage i'm sure that they can give him a, uh, you know a, a, a ticket that'll be fine <laughs> i'll just tell it with I'll, I'll tell him it was the one i didn't like <laughs> If the cops come knocking at my door i'll be like
2: corrupting the youth
0: yeah don't don't drink you youths.
2: youths
1: Boobs.
0: I mean, I mean, come on, Chris. Weren't you the one drinking, you know, underage with me when we were at Rob's house drinking, fucking Mountain Dew and vodka? Uh,
2: I don't know that I want that out. I don't know that I want that out there. But uh,
0: I won't tell him I the mean, whole baby, story. I,
2: hypothetically, <laughs> I, I won't tell him about the strip poker. Uh, oh, I was not there for the strip poker.
0: tried right, you weren't.
2: Yeah, I, I missed that one. I was doing... I did not have to see your penis that day.
0: No, you didn't.